Welcome back, everyone, to the Agitators podcast. Today, we'll be discussing the hot-button topic of AI, or artificial intelligence, and AI art. For today's episode, we're joined by a very special guest, Melanie. She's based in Calgary, Canada, and lives an inspiring life of intention with her beautiful family. Melanie is a phenomenal artist, Reiki master, and a New Earth guide. Welcome to the Agitators podcast, Melanie. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here talk about all things AI and art. Yes. Oh, yes. So are we. <laughs> We're very excited to have you here. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Well, does anybody have any uh, burning questions or things you guys wanted to talk about to get the episode started? I would love to know Melanie's back. I've, I've seen you from uh, like afar and I love the work you do. <laughs> um, I'm really interested if at some point in this conversation we t- uh, that you could touch on like your uh like i guess art therapy is that right i'm not yeah. maybe i'm like going on a whim here but um i'm really curious about um ai and like how that might affect the art therapy stuff and like if that has any influence over anything that you're you're up to in that in that yeah, side of cool world. um So as far as art therapy goes, um, I've been an artist my whole life. Um, We all are artists. Uh, You get up and choose what clothes you put on every day, and that makes you an artist. Uh, How you put your food on your plate makes you an artist. Um, So many things make us all artists. And what I believe um, therapy in art is, is that a lot of times the human language doesn't have room for the feelings, the vast amounts of feelings that the human actually experiences. And so what I have found with art on a personal level is that when I've been in my darkest days and didn't know how to articulate what I was moving through, um, picking up a paintbrush or crayon, would always bring me back to my center. And so I I kind of started, I fell into art ther- art as therapy um, after my daughter was born. Like, and as far as like facilitating group art therapy sessions, I was facilitating paint nights. I don't know if you guys have paint night down there, but basically what paint night is, is you go to a bar, you buy a Groupon ticket and a guide, an instructor guides you step-by-step how to paint a pretty simple painting um, in a two-hour window. And so while I was working for paint night and going to these like wine and sip events, I noticed that there was like three categories of people that I could group into. Um, And the first category was the people that were very much there for the reason why they came. And so like what paint night advertised was an evening of fun and whatever. Um, And I'm like, I'm super fucking funny. So I had everyone laughing all the time. Um, But then there was also these two other groups. So I would find there was this one group of people who would like have mental breakdowns trying to create perfect art or their version of perfect art, which was to make their painting look identical to my painting, which is impossible because <laughs> my two paintings never even looked identical. Um, so I'd have this group of people who I would say is probably about 5% of the participants that would show up and they <coughs> would 
literally break down crying <clears throat> that their art sucked and that because they had shitty art, um, they were shitty people, right? Is what I perceive people, what goes on in their minds. Um, and then I would have this other group, this third group of people who would create beautiful art or what they perceived as beautiful art. And they would say to me like, whoa, how did two hours just go by? And like, I was so stressed out when I got here. And now all of a sudden I feel so much lighter. And like, I didn't know that I could paint and I didn't know that I needed this. And so then I birthed um, my own art therapy business out of my garage. My studio has since moved into my basement. Um, but yeah, I birthed my my home studio and I looked for a way that I can bring humans into art, into their right brains without them getting stuck in the left. Because like painting a paint a picture is like you can still get really stuck in the left brain here because your trees don't look like trees or your apple doesn't look like an apple or whatever it is that your painting doesn't look exactly what it looks like in real life. So I found the modality paint pouring. It was actually hilarious because my wife, <laughs> these like paint pouring videos were coming up on whatever Instagram or whatever all the time. And she's like, that's not real art. People are cheating. Anybody can do that. I was like, oh, sweet. Anybody can do that. So then I spent like a whole year crafting my perfection and trying to figure out the best recipes for paint pouring. And I opened up my studio so that people could come in and paint pour and get into their right brains um, completely bypassing the left. Because in paint pouring, you you have to surrender control to what you're doing, because once you pour the paint on the canvas, you do not get a say in how the painting turns out. And so that in itself, that action is really challenging for people. So I think where art therapy and AI kind of collide is that people already have lost interest in art. I think over the last like 50 years, even um, if you look at the school system, art is the first thing to get cut. Um, writing, people don't know how to cursive write anymore. Like there's all of these things that put us in our right brains that are no longer valued in society um, because they're not convenient because they're, there's, they're not linear. There's no like, you know, in math, like one plus one is two, like there is a right answer. Um, in art, there is only room for perspective. So a variety of perspectives, like five people can look at the same piece of art, one of them would be willing to spend a million dollars on it and one of them would light it on fire, right? And so I guess AI, how I see AI is that it is desensitizing us further into our right brains by saying, look, machines can do this. So therefore humans don't need to. And if humans don't need to use their right brains, then we lose our right brains. If we lose our right brains, we lose our ability to heal. We lose our ability to connect with one another. We lose so much of what makes us human by giving our humanity to machine. That's so well said. I have been talking about this a little bit on my individual podcast. And that's one of the things that I always keep coming back to is the more that we remove the human element, the human condition from things like art, the less that it's going to be representative of us as humans yeah totally i think there's definitely room in our i mean we have to have room in society for a co-creation 
with advanced technology. Um, mm-hmm. But we have to remember the difference between advanced technology and artificial intelligence. Right. Yeah. Have yeah, you noticed? Like, oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go. Um, I might have lost it. I feel like I have oh. a totally different perspective on this right now. <laughs> Just, <laughs> that's why I wanted to have to this conversation. You kept, you kept saying that you didn't Holy know cow. what you thought. Though. I know. And then I thought about it this morning and I had a thought. And now, <laughs> now I feel like I have to rethink but, it all. But I, I was just questioning that regarding. <laughs> oh, sorry, Mia. No, go ahead. Oh, okay. I want to hear so I have question. a question regarding do you feel that, um, or at least do you have a perspective on? And I go back and forth on this because I'm not I have I'm not 100 percent sure. Yet. I'm still formulating what it is. But um, so digital art and is is a segment of art that you do and you create online. Um, so, you know, like the Wacom tablets and things of that nature. Like you got the 3D going on as well. It's all part of uh, digital art. Do you feel that there's a more focus on digital art than there is the traditional arts. And because we keep going and pushing digital art now that we have this AI, that that might be pushing people to not have the ability to understand the true like nature of where the foundation of art is, which is the more um, manual creation, more pen on paper uh, type of art. Um, I would say no, I think like the, the foundation of art. So the word art in itself is contrived from the word heart. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that as long as the being creating the art has a heart, Mm -hmm. then the, then the art is not lost. Um, and so with digital art, I mean, digital art's been existing since there's been marketing, right? Yeah. Since television yeah. sets have have mm-hmm. existed, since you know you can make posters on a computer. Um, I think the advancement of digital art is getting pretty wild, and um, there's getting you're, you're, there's tools that are being created for human beings to use on a digital level uh, to create from their hearts their own inspiration, you know, like their life circumstances. And like for me, I personally like digital art because there's no mess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can like I can do digital art anywhere I can have my phone with me. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, okay, I have 10 minutes that I'm waiting for my kid to get out of school. I can just sit and do some create some art um, and get access to my right brain in that way without having to go to the art store and like art supplies are fucking expensive mm-hmm. they are um, yeah. like they're super expensive so i mean i could see how like the emphasis of digital art you know could potentially pose a threat to to tangible physical art but i don't think that it would take away from that because at the end of the day there's there's nothing quite like sitting in front of a piece of cotton canvas mm-hmm. um and getting lost in, in, in creation. I think it, uh, what you said there was really important because, um, at least from what I've seen online, there's a lot of argument from people who do traditional art and then digital art and both sides of those, the spectrums 
are angry at this AI art, which um, rightfully so. There's a lot of questionable activity happening at the moment or when it comes to the AI. Um, but I think it's it's important to to note that what you said that the art comes from the heart, um, and it's and that's the part that's really really important, and especially yeah. also using your right your right side of your uh, brain instead of just everything being the left. Um, I'm going to stop right there because I could say more, but um, we'll see where this keeps going. <laughs> Oh, I was just saying, like, it's, it's like, there's so many factors at play that, like, demonstrate that there's a, like, that they're trying to make it appealing. Like, even, like, the way that the AI apps make people look. I guess it is. Um, that he does. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, everybody's got, like, the, like... I don't know, like, like the crazy beauty standards that we set for humanity is now you can make yourself look like that with an app. And so it's like this, like, very psychological approach. Mm -hmm. Like, it's wild. Talk about being, making you mad about doing your own art. Like a physical look. And how you appear. How you dress yourself, that form, you know? Yeah, I think it's like a part of the the conditioning that humankind is uh, being exposed to right now to condition us to a world in a metaverse, you know? It's this like um, idea that we can attain fast beauty, right? We can attain fast food. Everything is fast, right? Everything that we are, <laughs> everything that we're teaching, ironically, the AI, is that humans value convenience, right? Humans value instant gratification. And so we teach the AI this, and we then confirm this for the AI. And the AI picks up this pattern of like, okay, instant gratification, everything convenient. And then at what point does the AI realize how inconvenient humans are? I'm so glad that you brought that back up because that's like one of the big things. I, I actually had one um, episode that I did on my podcast and then like a week later I came back to that same topic and I was like, okay, listen, <laughs> I need to like clarify something for everybody because like kind of the way that my first episode came out was very scathing. Like I hate AI, everything about it. Like it's going to be like terrible for everybody. And then I kind of circled back and I was like, okay, listen, I'm not changing my opinion. My opinion stands. However, I want to make sure that it's very clear that the reason why I think this is so detrimental for humanity is because of this fast instant gratification. We have absolutely zero attention span anymore. Nobody wants to wait for anything. I mean, Amazon Prime has killed basically everybody's ability to wait or have a delayed gratification in anything. And this idea of having AI produce art in this type of way is just absolutely like insane to me. Like there's, there's a difference between working with, and like you said earlier, co-creating with artificial intelligence, but not even artificial intelligence. There's a difference in between using technology to help kind of advance certain things 
And there's a completely different story when you give technology the ability to think for itself, because there is such a fine line with that. And I mean, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Alan Turing and the Turing experiments from the 50s, but like it's a very, like very short step for technology to say, okay, listen, humanity sucks and we don't need it anymore. And then just go and change whatever, you know, it sees fit because ultimately technology views the human condition as uh, a virus, like ultimately, and it's never going to want to try and work with us. So giving technology the ability to think for itself, that's like, okay, just sign us up, man. Like, (laughs) sign us up for our doom. We're fine. (laughs) I love everything you just said, Lexi. Definitely. Right on. Um, especially the the difference between where you're using something as a tool to help you, like, let's say iterate, that's a different, that's different than I'm pressing a button and that's what I'm, I'm going with this. This is this picture that it made. That's it. Um, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that have been used, that have been using AI art as a tool, not as a, um, instant hit of something because they'll take it and then create something else out of it. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a there's a big difference between the two, especially um, when you see these fads going out. Because you know, I think it was Apple. They have like the 3D caricature of yourself. That was a fad. Everybody had these 3D caricatures of themselves, and then it died out. But like when this AI thing came out, right now I think it's dying out. It was like a, a, yeah. a hot flash in the pan, and then it was done. Um, yeah. But you already fed all your information to this thing out there. And where's that information going? And that, that part is like, uh, what did you, like, what did you give up from yourself in this whole like digital era? I mean, we give up a lot actually, but you gave a company something that you don't even realize what it's going to be used for forever in perpetuity, I think. Yeah. I think yeah, perpetuity is what they're, yeah, that's what their terms and conditions says. That was my second episode. I went back because a week after I had filmed the first one, it was like shortly after Lensa, the Lensa app or whatever came out. I didn't do any of this. So I'm only speaking from what I've seen online. So I don't know like everything in its entirety, but I, I guess the company that owns it, I think it's Prisma Labs, their terms and conditions for Lensa literally says in there, you've given us the right to utilize your image and your likeness and your photos in perpetuity. And if we make a ton of money off of it, you don't get anything and you get no say at all whatsoever in what we're going to use, your likeness, your image or anything. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. And then there'll be a, you know, 4D avatar of you walking around in the metaverse that right? isn't really you. Mm-hmm. No, thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Nothing really is free. Mm-mm. But. What is it? Not that only that, but I think those apps you had to pay like seven ninety nine for them, right? Yeah, they made something like twenty billion dollars in <laughs> two weeks. Insane. Oh yeah, <clears throat> that is insane. Wow, good. I can't even like wrap my head around that. Oh my God. Yeah, it was wild. I was like, money. okay, <laughs> man. But like what you were saying, Alex, about um basically creating reference photos with it Mm -hmm. um, for artists to then create. And I think that is beautiful, you know, because I use digital art to create reference photos for me to paint. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so it is quite lovely that there is technology that is advancing in this way so that, you know, artists can create visual reference Mm -hmm. photos for themselves and alter them to see what it would look like when they were done. Um, If they want a tree there, if they don't want a tree there, you know, whatever it is that they're painting, that they can manipulate um, digitally before they commit to using their paint, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So there is beautiful aspects of it, um, which I think people would tend to focus on to ignore the hurt that it causes. Yeah, especially with the, I think it was the same app, the Lenza, Lenza people? Right. Um, I think so. Apparently they had taken reference photos from other digital artists out there without paying tribute or reference back to the original artist. And I, I mean, I would be hurt too. I didn't even know that was happening. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of them were like, well, we would have known. And if you are making re- royalties off of it, I mean, that's crazy. Uh, so like, there is a lot of a hurt when it comes to, these individuals who create these apps or who are using it for ulterior motives um, that you might not have any idea what they might be in the future. Um, just taking style and reference from others, because there are, there are a few like images that the app spits out that are for lack of a better term, pretty, pretty on style with some of these famous digital artists out there. I was like, Oh, yeah, uh, I saw one this, this of them even ha- went as far as having their signature on it. Yeah, that's terrible. I mean, when it comes to that, that's they. I mean, but in like, say, it, there needs to be laws artists when it comes to that. I mean, the same thing happened when there was some NFT. It was something similar to OpenSea that was using artists' digital art as NFTs, and they had no idea that it was being sold online. And that was wow. a huge, huge, huge issue, especially for some of the most well-known um, online well, I call them magazines uh, where they feature artists. They were they mm-hmm. were the ones that were being targeted by these open sea type apps. Um, that's right because it's already too. done all the work for them. Like, Let's put it all in one data place. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, and I want to share my stuff, but then I I'm all. all that I'm sure that person's like, I'm afraid to put it online because someone's going to just take it. Um, so I, I mean, that gets into a can of worms, especially in the, this digital world. Mm-hmm. Can never, they can never own the real one, the real thing though, the file that you created on your own, on your own uh, machine or your own canvas. That's, that's the difference though. It is. Yeah. I think that's important to remember with Mm -hmm. the rise of artificial intelligence is that like as much as they try to take from us, like they'll never really have our hearts because they'll Mm -hmm. never know what it's like to have a real beating heart. And that feeling that like human to human connection of like walking up and like moving into a room and sensing the energy of the people in there, you know, like AI will never have that. They won't know what that's like. Even your breaststroke, they they won't have it either. They'll have a faded, muddy version of it, but it won't be your your signature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was going to ask. Do you can, do you think it's possible to copy that? Because like to me, your art is like your magic, Alex. Like you know what I like. 
it is very mm-hmm. rare that I have a physical reaction to art in the way that I consistently react to anything that you put out. So like, do you think they're able to capture mm-hmm. that? Like the, and then if so, if can they, then like that can be replicated and people can like be using your magic for themselves. I don't, I don't know if I personally, I haven't seen something that has been able to copy somebody else's stroke in the way that somebody else would do it. It's almost as, it's almost like your own signature. You can copy styles. Like everybody, if I wanted to study the Disney style and do Disney, I'm sure I can get pretty damn close, but I still won't be, and I still will never be able to have the finesse as, as those individuals who created that style, who birthed that style. Does that, I don't know if that makes any sense, but um, mm-hmm. I can get close. I can get damn close, but I won't ever be able to be exactly like them. Um, and I know like I, I went to art school and they, I went through industrial design, which is product, product design. And they wanted to output people to have a specific drawing style. And it was damn near impossible. Um, and even to get a job, you had to have this specific drawing style. Um, and it is, it's impossible in my opinion. And so like, you can see, like, I could tell someone who's gone through that, through a school process, it just is way more mechanical and way more left brain. Um, there's a left brain element to it, uh, when it comes to Mm -hmm. that specific type of drawing style. Um, so I think that it doesn't matter where or how art's being taken from others. And if it's being replicated in this other way, I don't think that the signature style or the signature brushstroke or the signature way of putting that, that stroke down will ever be replicated in my opinion, regardless if it's digital art or, um, analog art or manual art. Um, yeah, I agree with you. So I don't think that the energy behind the painting could be yeah. stolen. Yeah. No. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because and like the- when I'm scrolling through Instagram and I see these AI images come up, I instantly know the difference, mm-hmm. instantly know the difference if it was an AI generated piece of art or if it's mm-hmm. digital art created by a person. Mm-hmm. It's almost like an uncanny valley type of situation. Have you guys heard of that before? No. So it's it, it's basically like something that your brain, it's um, kind of like a process that your brain goes through when it sees an image that's almost, almost oh. human-like. So like, it's like kind of a weird feeling that you tend to get. Like if you see like uh, robot, like robots, they're doing a lot like with Boston aerodynamics and all sorts of stuff right now, but like any of like the humanoid robots or if they're like drawings or photos that have been digitally rendered, um, like any of the um, movies and stuff right now that they're doing like aging, de-aging kind of stuff. It's like that weird feeling that you get when it's like, oh, that almost doesn't really look right. Like there's something wrong with that. That feeling that you get, that's called like the uncanny valley. And it's like definitely anytime that I see these AI, like, I don't know, all the things from Lenza, like, I don't even know what to call them. Like, are they, are they portraits? Are they avatars like i don't know but whatever those things are every time i see them i'm like this <laughs> i'm like Ugh, that doesn't feel good <laughs> do you think everybody yeah. has that like do you think being right 
And so if like, yeah, I think everybody can, but it's a matter of they practice if they're in tune with it. Right. And so then it it may be something that maybe they feel something, but they don't know. Yeah. But maybe they don't know what that is. Right. Like they, Mm -hmm. like they're not quite in tune enough to be like, Oh, I I recognize what this feeling is. It may just be like, "Ah, it just just kind of feels weird, but I don't really know why. Right. Same thing with like, if you see rendered, like they'll, I've been looking at a lot of houses lately. And they'll be staged uh, as a render. Like they'll take a picture of the room and then they'll put stuff inside of it. I'm like, something's weird here. Like the lighting's off. (laughs) It doesn't look right. All janky. And then right after that, it'll be like, oh, the empty room. Oh, okay, that's what happened. Um, (laughs) But you, it's true. Like people need. uh, Well, they have to be exposed to before and afters. They have to be trained to find those things, but. A lot of people are not trained in that, and they think it's actually real. Um, right. Yeah, I don't know. that's all I gotta say. Yeah, and then you think about the youth, right? Mm-hmm. You think about the younger generations and what they're being trained to bypass, mm-hmm. right? Um, to certain- not be in tune with their bodies, not be in tune with their energy centers, right? And so, the more of this shit that we keep pumping out to them the more confused and lost they will be in their humanity because they will not know the difference between man and machine. Yeah. Yeah. Now the, the amount of 3d ver like 3d cartoons or things of that nature and the amount of um, CGI that's out there now, that's it appears pretty real, but I, you know, for a fact that it's not real um, definitely warps your perspective on real and not real um in the distinction yeah totally it's like it's such a it's more it's such a broader topic than just art Mm -hmm. um as far as this goes it's like it's the whole metaverse it's this whole system of like what is the intention behind this cheap fast art what is Mm -hmm. it that it wants to move us into what is it grooming us to slowly accept and and move forward in like my nephews are 11 and, and 10 years old they're obsessed with vr like obsessed mm-hmm. i'm like why would you rather put on a headset and sit alone in your room than go outside and play yeah, yeah. have you guys seen that commercial it's running a lot right now because i think it's like a holiday one or something but it's for best buy and it's like the dad and the little girl and they're talking to the mom and they're like, oh, we're going to go to the playground. And then they leave. And then like the next day they're like, okay, we're going to go to the playground again. And like, it's a couple of days of this kind of stuff. And they're actually going to Best Buy to go like stare at the electronics and the technology stuff. And then the mm-hmm. mom, like during oh. Christmas is like, oh yeah, I got oh. you guys a present. And it's like, you know, a thing from Best Buy. And she's like, what, you think I've never been to the playground before? But, like, Aaron and I saw that, and we both just looked at each other like, oh, my God, like, this is so blatant. It's not even funny. That's insane. Like, right now, like, there, it's just because more and more people are just buying into these false acceptance versions of that kind of stuff that everyone's just like, yeah, okay, that's fine. I mean, that's Did crazy. you see something? Oh, my gosh. That's like what? what they do. I, I just looked it up. I'm like, oh, wow. Right? Yeah. Oh it's terrible. It like brought tears to my eyes the first time that I kind of like actually watched it because I was like, "This is terrifying." 
this isn't cool. Like, this, I don't know. Nope. Yeah, well, then did you see that um, AI center of wombs? Yo, Artificial yeah. wombs? Mm-hmm. Don't the whole, it's a whole <laughs> facility, a prototype of a facility to grow babies, human babies. Mm-hmm. I said, we don't and need more people. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, what is the intention behind that? Is the intention truly to help infertile couples or is the intention to create an army of machines mm-hmm. that can be raised and manipulated and trained into being soldiers? Like, what is the intention or is it the intention to create, you know, an everlasting supply of children for sex trafficking? Right. What are the intentions behind growing a facility full of humans and like Mm. do these humans now have souls if they're not in a mother if they're not in a human body in a real womb like at what point there's all these ethical questions of like what point does the soul enter the womb right does the soul come into the baby when he's born or does the soul come into the baby when he's conceived There's yeah, a thing out there that says that the when obviously when sperm and the hit egg hit a little black hole happens and that's like a big bang that that spark that um, that's when life starts to you know expand exponentially in like a speed that we ourselves don't even quite understand. Um, they're definitely wow. not doing that in a in a lab, I don't think. <laughs> Right. And it's yeah, like I mean, a feeling, you... like a feeling you have, like, like, like I always say, like Ronan, I had a miscarriage before I had Ronan, but Ronan was that, that was Ronan and it just wasn't a good time. And like, he came, like, I knew it was him all along. Like that was his name. And I just like knew who he was. And then, and like my sister who just had her daughter this week, she in the beginning felt like that was convinced that she had twins because there was like two like competing identities, I guess. Um, And she, and then eventually she was like, Nope, it's going to be a girl. And then like, she had her gender reveal and they found out it was a girl, but it took a little while to like decide who was going to come through is what it felt like for her. Cause she was like a hundred percent certain that the ultrasound must be wrong or something because she was slow. She's like, there is two, there are two souls like active in this process and I can't tell like what's going on. So I don't know, like. Right. And her as the mother holding this body inside her was the only one who was able to really feel that connection. Right. Exactly. And so like, imagine these two souls fighting for a fake womb. Like, would they, would souls want to come into the earth in that manufactured way. Right. And then it could be what they're trying to do too. Cause they know that right. that's, it's not going to happen. So now what, like, what does that look right. like? Right. Like, or they hope it's not going to happen. Yeah. Right. Well, I also think it's interesting that there's, so Babies who have been, the embryos who have been, not embryos, but the eggs that have been frozen for over 30 years, you know, let's say then they get um, implanted and they become babies and they're born, are 
30 or 40 times more prone to health problems and cancers than babies that are just born unnatural, unpreserved and unfrozen. So these AI, not AI, but these lab-grown babies, let's say, um, what kind of problems are they going to come in with? And like, are right. they are they even going to be viable? Right. That's scary. I would not want to be the person working there. Yeah. Yeah, it's creepy. Also, <laughs> who knows? Like, okay. right. what, no, I would just say die. Like, just keep coming. That murder. Right. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no i mean like there's so many ethical questions and well i mean i don't know is it because that like it's not it's not like who's to say he's I... <sighs> <sighs> <laughs> having a crisis over there i am i'm going my just living so many lives <laughs> just like... over and over and over